Amen. Let's give them another hand. Amen. Are you blessed to be in the house of the Lord? Amen. Amen. Let's say a word of prayer. Father, we come to you in no other name but the name of Jesus. We thank you for your faithfulness. We thank you for your goodness. We thank you, Lord, for your mercy. We thank you for your loving kindness. We pray in the mighty name of Jesus that even as we get to the word of God today, that, Lord, that even as we open up the word, I pray that the word of God would speak to us. I pray, God, in Jesus' mighty name, that, Lord, that you would minister to us, O oh God, the way that you know how. I pray in Jesus' name for every person that is here, maybe broken, maybe hurting. Lord, Father, who needs restoration, I pray for divine restoration to take place now. In Jesus' mighty name, amen and amen. Amen. Hallelujah. I'm going to call uh, Fred and Leanne, and we're going to do a baby dedication. Amen. Won't you please come with baby? Hallelujah. Amen. Let's give them a hand as they come. Amen. <laughs> Not you, Gracie. You've been dedicated. Chelsea. <laughs> She's crying. <laughs> Amen. Won't you stretch your hands towards them? Amen. Just for a minute, just stretch your hands towards this lovely family. Father, we come to you in the name of Jesus. We thank you for this beautiful family. That even, O oh Lord, as they have decided within themselves, like Hannah decided, that she would dedicate a child, as they have decided that they have come to dedicate their child. I pray in Jesus' mighty name that, Lord, that your hand will be upon them. I'm reminded of the words that you spoke to Abraham. You says that there's nothing that you would not tell Abraham because you know that he will instruct his children in the ways of God. And even as they have decided, oh God, to come and dedicate Lord Chelsea, I pray in Jesus' mighty name that your hand will be upon their lives, oh God, because of this commitment they are making. In Jesus' name I pray, amen and amen. Amen. So I'm going to read with you. Um, just give me a minute. I'm going to read First Samuel, chapter number 1, and we're going to look at verses 11. And the Bible says, And she made a vow, saying, Lord Almighty, if you will only look on your servant's misery and remember me and not forget your servant, but give her a son, then I will give him to the Lord for all the days of his life, and no razor will be used on his head. Now, can I have Baba? This is the prayer, Chelsea. This was the prayer of. Uh, so let me do like how they normally carry babies. Amen. Isn't she beautiful, right? Isn't she beautiful? Hallelujah. <laughs> so uh, the Bible says over here in Samuel that. Uh, Hannah couldn't give birth to a child. So what the Lord decided to do was to open up a womb. But when the Lord was opening up a womb, Hannah made a vow to God and said to God, if you give me a child, I promise that I'll do one thing. I'll give that child back to you, meaning that I'll dedicate my child to you. And this is the reason why we dedicate children. We don't dedicate children to, we don't baptize children, sorry. 
we dedicate children. Babies can never be baptized. No baby can be baptized. If you were baptized as a baby, just know that you were not baptized. You just had water sprinkled on your head. Amen. Because baptism requires immersion, and baptism requires once you believe you are born again, then you, got, you get baptized. Now, babies don't believe. They can't believe at that age, and they can't be baptized uh, at that age because they haven't come to the knowledge of Christ as yet. So what we do for babies, we dedicate babies to the Lord. Amen. Not baptize babies. So if you think you were baptized when you were small, come again. Uh, we'll do baptism next this Saturday coming, and we'll baptize you. Amen. Hallelujah. <laughs> you agreed, right? She said, <laughs> Amen. So... Prudently, Anne, do you promise always to make sure that Chelsea is found in the house of the Lord? Yes. yes. <laughs> Amen. That she'll not touch alcohol. Uh -huh. She'll not be found in a nightclub. Uh -huh. Praise the Lord. That you will instruct her in the ways of God. Amen. As long as you both shall live. Amen. As a parent, I know that it's not easy raising children. Just help me a bit with my... Amen. She wants to slip, yeah, come. <laughs> so I know as a parent it's not easy to raise children up, but the Bible says that train a child, train a child in the way that they should go, and when they're older, they will not depart from it. As a parent, your responsibility is to train them, that's all. And then whatever you've done as a parent in terms of training them in the ways of God, it will keep them when they are older, amen. So... I believe that Chelsea is going to be used mightily in the hands of God, amen. And God's going to do amazing things through her life as long as you train her in the ways of God, amen. Can somebody hold this mic for me while I dedicate Chelsea and anoint her and some oil? <laughs> amen. Thank you so much. Let's stretch our hands towards Chelsea. I'm saying it, what's her second name? Maria and Chelsea Maria Lamty. Hallelujah. Father, we come to you in the mighty name of Jesus Christ. We thank you for Chelsea. We anoint her right now. We remind her, O oh Lord, of the scripture as Hannah anointed Eli. Father, we pray the oil of God on her life right now. We pray that you would preserve her. We pray, God, that you would use her mightily in your kingdom. We declare in the name of Jesus that, Father, we prophesy and we declare over her life that she will not be found in clubs. She will not, O oh God, be found doing the wrong thing. But, Lord, she will be found in the house of God, serving God, doing his will. I speak a blessing over her life in the name of Jesus. I speak prophetically over her, God, that, Lord, that you would raise her like you raised Deborah as a prophet. Lord, that you would raise her up as a prophetess, oh God, to declare the mysteries and the word of God. I pray, God, that you would visit her at a very young age in the name of Jesus. I pray that her spiritual eyes will be open at a very young age, Lord, to see angels, to have visions, to have dreams. I pray in the 
name of Jesus Christ that she will bring many people to salvation. She will bring many people, oh God, into the kingdom of God. And we thank you, Lord, for what you are about to do in her life today. In the name of Jesus, we seal her. We bring the protection of Almighty God, the blood of Jesus over her life. Protect her, God. Give her wisdom like Solomon all the days of her life. And we thank you in Jesus' mighty name. Amen and amen. Hallelujah. Let's give the Lord a big hand. Amen. Amen. You can, you want to come by me, stay by me or go by mommy? Stay, go, stay. Okay, go sleep. <laughs> amen. Jesus is good. Hallelujah. Are you ready for the word of God? Are you ready for the word of God? Let's, let's pray. If you can pray in the Holy Spirit, just pray in the Holy Spirit. Libra ando sabrande le mekidia. Mando sabra ali velunda kadia lubra ajande le mekidia. Rivanda la duce bra ataya kundele mekada. Rikeja tunda la maria du sabrata. Reke de kadusa parataya. Libra anda la mangide keduku brandele mekidi akabanda la ma. We bless your name, Jesus. We thank you, Holy Ghost. We invite you while you are praying, just lift up your hands as well. Just lift up your hands. In the name of Jesus, in the name of Jesus, in the name of Jesus. This is only the second Sunday of the year. Amen. And the Lord has just dropped somebody's prayer in my spirit that you were praying and you were saying, God, it's now 2022. I can't struggle anymore. I'm tired of this. I'm, I'm tired of this. I've had enough. I'm tired of the struggle. I'm tired of the situation. There's something has to give. Something has to change. Something has to turn around. Something has to turn around. And I hear the Spirit of the Lord saying that I must tell you that he that began a good work in you is able to complete it. Amen. That God, whatever he has established in your life, whatever he has started in your life, he has the ability to complete it. And I see God's hand and I see God completing it for you right now in the name of Jesus. Some projects, some things that you wanted to do in 2021, you told yourself you're going to do it, but you couldn't do it. But now in 2022, it's time to do it in the name of Jesus Christ. Every spirit of procrastination delays I break and I rebuke it in the name of Jesus Christ la brosa kataya libra aduce bra anda la kundele me kivataya in the name of Jesus come very quickly I want to pray for those that maybe you I don't know if you you might some of you might be unemployed some of you might not be unemployed some of you are working amen I just want you to very to come very quickly not unemployed and working people but I want you 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 have a business you have a business mind you have a business mind you in your in your head you told yourself that this is the business I need to start or you started or you started doing something you put it in together but nothing yet materialized just small 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 I want you to come very quickly I just want to anoint you very quickly amen Whether it be hair, whether it be clothing, whether it be whatever, you know, just come quickly. I just want to anoint you, amen. Nothing, nothing's happening. We are breaking that well, amen. And we are saying in 2022, your business must manifest. It must manifest, amen. It must manifest, hallelujah. 
Amen. It must manifest. It must manifest. It must manifest. Some of you are only missing funds. Some of you just need funds. The Lord is saying, I must tell you, don't look for somebody to fund you, but he's, he'll fund you. He'll give you the finances. He'll give you the finances. Just step out and do what God wants you to do. Just step out and do what God wants you to do. Start small and grow from there. Start small and grow from there. Let your business have a story. Let it have a story. In the name of Jesus Christ. Labro Santaya. I see lots of business people here, man. Yo, Jesus. Kaluta Kataya Kata. The Bible says that it is the Lord that gives us the power, the ability to create and to make wealth. May that, that come to you in the name of Jesus. I'm just going to pray very quickly. Just put your hand out, amen. Uh, don't worry. I'm just, Father, I pray as I anoint them and I put oil on their hands, God. Father, we realize that it's you that has given them the ability. In 2021, they had ideas. They had things they wanted to do, but they were unable to achieve it. Lord, I declare in 2022, this year, God, there will be no more delays on their vision. And I declare in the name of Jesus, Father, Lord, that you would give Give them that ability, that grace, oh God, to produce wealth in the name of Jesus. Lord, I don't know, oh God, what the enemy told them, the excuses that the enemy gave them of why they can't step out. But today, I declare in the name of Jesus and I release that grace for them to step out right now in Jesus' mighty name. And I seal it with the blood of Jesus Christ. And no weapon fashioned against your business shall prosper in Jesus' mighty name. Some of you don't, don't have names already for your business and the Lord says that he's going to give you a name he's going to give you a name and everybody maybe your business is not registered go register your business register do all the paperwork do everything that is necessary in preparation ah, meet opportunity hallelujah as you begin to prepare as you begin to write it out as you begin to write your ideas your vision your goal your business plan out preparation will meet opportunity and one day the Lord Lord will locate you and one day something will happen when somebody will find you and it will manifest in Jesus mighty name for those that have not written it out father in the name of Jesus Christ I anoint your son in the name of Jesus I anoint your daughter Lord give her the ability God to get wealth in Jesus mighty name Lord cause her to work with the hands in Jesus mighty name I release that ability in Jesus name father I thank you for that ability in the name of Jesus Christ Lebrosa I release it right now over your life. Let it happen. Every delay, we break it in the name of Jesus Christ. Every delay, we break every delay in the name of Jesus. Every delay is broken in Jesus' mighty name. Every delay is broken in Jesus' mighty name. Yes, Kalusa Brando, Libra Ando, Every delay is broken. Every delay is broken. No more delays. No more delays. No more delays, Jared. No more delays. In the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. No more delays. Hallelujah. We bless the name of Jesus. Amen. Let's give them a hand. Amen. I tell you now, the people that came up, huh? event coordinators, the people that came out today, uh, Dressmakers, designers, caterers,
Security company owners. Hey, too much, too much, yeah, too much. I don't know what else teachers, I don't know, but like, pardon? Event coordinators. Yo, look at that, some power right there. Amen. God, the Lord is good. Amen. Amen. I want to thank God for everybody that is visiting us for the first time. If you're here and you're visiting for the first time, please wave your hand at me. Hallelujah. First time here. God bless you so much, mommy. God bless you so much. I met you yesterday. God bless you so much. Nice to have you. Amen. The ushers are going to give you something. Amen. Hallelujah. God bless you so much. So nice to see Brother William in church. God bless you, sir. Amen. Bless you. Amen. Won't you turn with me to the book of Matthew chapter 28? Matthew chapter 28. I'm going to try my best to share the word of God with you today. Uh, in this month and in the weeks coming, we're going to be going to Heim Street. Okay. Amen. We're going to be going to Heim Street and we're going to be doing some openings and we're going to focus all our crusades in that area this month. Amen. So we're trusting God to do something. Uh, I'm not sure. I just saw on uh, Annabelle's status today. It was a guy from Heim Street, Annabelle. Yeah, and, uh, I think it was last week somebody passed away and now Annabelle just, I just saw on Annabelle's status somebody. This, was it this morning or? Somebody this morning passed away from Heim Street as well, amen. So we need to take it, the Bible says the kingdom of God suffers violence and the violent take it by force, amen, hallelujah. So we have, to, we have to go. I believe, I believe that God has not called us in terms of safety and security. That's not our responsibility. God has not called us as social workers. If people think when they see the church, when the church comes that the church is going to stop uh, gangsterism or the church is going to stop the shooting or if that's our mindset when we go and preach that we're going to stop shooting and gangsterism we're going out with the wrong understanding our understanding is not to go and stop gangsterism and shooting our our the reason why we go the main reason why we go to the streets is to preach the gospel of Jesus Christ so that the gangster can be saved so that the ones that are dealing drugs can be saved not so that we can stop it and and in the preaching of the gospel and they come to christ they stop shooting they stop that's a benefit amen but it wasn't our goal to create any uh if we can we can if we can't it's to come this gang come together that gang come together we have the policing system that's their responsibility they need to do what they need to do we there to preach the gospel but in the process of preaching the gospel the gospel unites the gospel brings peace and so but our main focus is to preach the gospel so nobody can place a demand on the church to do what the police supposed to do you understand we are called to preach Jesus, <laughs> Jesus saves and the gangster changes, hallelujah, Jesus saves, the drug dealer changes, hallelujah, amen, but we are called to preach Jesus, not to create peace between them, so we see that the church gets involved in trying to restore peace, but not preach the gospel, and that's why of all the peace walks that we have done in the community, and I think it was in 
the Palmer Road and another and another gang. I don't know if it was Rekha Road and the Palmer Road. And we tried to make peace and stuff without the preaching of the gospel, without the ministering of salvation. Guys started fighting again. You understand? Because you can make peace today, and I'm sure you've even done it. When you're fighting with somebody, the pastor comes, you need to make peace, or your friends, you'll need to make peace. But still, inside your heart, you know that there's still, if I see you on the road, I'll show you, I'll give you something, I'll give you a punch. Even though they told you to make peace. You understand why? Because there's still something in your heart. But when Jesus touches dead hearts, Peace becomes easy, amen. Peace becomes permanently, why? Because Jesus touched their hearts, hallelujah. Not you did it because you had to do it and all of these things. So, ah, uh, all these things just, just like, you know, we had to preach. We had to minister. We had to tell them about Christ. And Christ will do the transformation. Never forget that, guys. Never forget that. Why am I saying that? Because they're going to put responsibility on the church to try and fix a lot of social ills in the world. But it's not the responsibility of the church. Our number one commission was never... Jesus said we must go into the places where we're not welcome. Yeah, there's places we're not welcome. But he never ever said, go try and bring peace, go feed people. He never ever said, you know, go open up universities and open up schools and have businesses. And that wasn't the commission of the church. The commission of the church is very straightforward. is to preach the gospel of Jesus Christ. Now, am I saying that these things or these other things that I'm talking about, we don't do? Absolutely not. We do them. But it's not our purpose. It's not our goal. We do it sideline. You know when you say you've got a sideline hustle? You do it on the sideline. This is your sideline. Opening a university is a sideline hustle. Uh, going out and feeding people is a sideline hustle. You understand what I'm saying? When I say hustle, I don't mean like we're hustling from the people. But I mean it's something that we do on the side. Why? Because our main goal, our main focus is to preach the gospel of Jesus Christ. Wow! Isn't that amazing? But you know the funny thing is this, is that the church forgot about preaching the gospel. The church is no longer preaching the gospel. Jehil, how are you doing? You are? Good. The church is no longer preaching the gospel. We preach in other things besides the gospel. And, and that's what we want to correct now in 2022. Amen. We want to correct that that's that mindset that we need to remain focused on the main thing and if we start 2022 on the right track i believe that god is going to bless us you see god is not interested in and you must always understand this here toffee that hey i had an awesome dream last night yeah you i was telling my wife when i woke up i had a dream that somebody called me and they said there's a certain man that you were i think you were praying for or looking after he was he was a very rich man a billionaire he gave all his inheritance to you. I was like, hey! And the man had billions shared. Hey, I was excited. Hey, they said, that's deposited in your account. Hey, I looked at my account, only seen numbers, a lot of numbers. I can't even determine how much this numbers are. And in the beginning of the, of the dream, I was getting overwhelmed with the amount of money, you know? I was even flying in a private jet. Hey, 
somebody told me I was when the, the airplane couldn't and I never I've never been in the airplane as yet, right? So when they told me that I'm I'm in the airplane, I was like private lane, aircon, shower, everything in the shit. I was like, wow, you know, and then the, the, the pilot couldn't travel where we were going, so we stopped in a hotel. They said, we only got this suite. I said, whatever money can buy, I'll buy it. I said, I'll buy it. If it's a, I'll, I'll pay for it, you know. They said, you sure? And the, the lady recognized me. She said, you sure, Pastor Alistair? I said, yes, I've received an inheritance. Hey. I received an inheritance. I'll just swipe for it. <laughs> Anyway, after having all this nice time in my dream and stuff, I realized something that after all these things, I met a couple of people, I wanted to buy a couple of houses and all that thing. I forgot the Lord. Hey, look at someone and say, hey. Hey, when I forgot the Lord, I came and I prayed. I said, Lord, I remember I said to you that nothing will move me and I'll never forget you. And I said, please forgive me for forgetting you. And humble me, teach me to handle this when it comes my way. You understand? I know I have it now in my dream. But teach me to remain pure and continue with my quiet time. And continue with my prayer life even though I have all this money. Wow. That was, that was a lesson God was trying to teach me. Because money, sometimes when money comes into your hands, money can change you. What they say, money make you funny. Money can make you funny sometimes, amen. And most of us got enemies because of money, hallelujah. I know there's somebody you're stressing out on. When you pay me my money, I want my money. Give me my money. But money sometimes can make you funny. You can even lose your Christianity because of money, hallelujah. And we don't want that, amen, because the church's goal is not to preach about money, not to preach about finance, not to preach about wealth. Our goal is to make sure that we preach about Jesus, amen. If Jesus is the focus of our mission, then I believe that we're going to be doing well in Jesus' name, amen. Are you in the book of Matthew? I'm ready to teach the word of God, amen. Let's see my time, okay. Hallelujah. I got some time. So... Evening service we're having tonight at 5 o'clock, amen. 5 o'clock, we no longer have evening service at 6 o'clock. 5 o'clock so we can leave early as well, amen. Um, quiet time continues this week, Monday, Wednesday, and Friday from 10 to 1. Uh, Bible College has resumed. We're starting a new course in Bible College called Homiletics. You're more than welcome to come on a Tuesday and register. If you have not done New Believers classes, you can come and do New Believers classes as well. We will also be opening two live groups as well. Uh, we'll be opening one on the bluff uh, when, when Chelsea Road, if I'm not mistaken. When Chelsea Road on the bluff, uh, myself will open it with Brother Emmanuel. And then Brother Emmanuel will continue with the home cell. And then I'll go look for another home cell to open up as well. Amen. Uh, and then we are also opening another home cell in the church, at the church, on Wednesday at 4 o'clock. It's a youth home cell, amen. So all the youth, all the young people are more than welcome to come. It's at 4 o'clock, huh? 4 o'clock, 4 o'clock, I think. Yeah, 4 o'clock. Am I right, Jalen? 4 o'clock. The youth, youth, all youth, you know, whatever age you are, come and you're young, come, amen. 
they're having it at the church at four o'clock they'll have it on a wednesday until maybe five or six jalen's running that uh youth home cell amen let's give jalen a hand amen it's run by the youth amen run by the youth amen so no no old mamas and old daddies and pallies there amen the youth will do it amen and i believe that they'll do well so i'll be in the office or early years so i know they won't play around because i'll still here they'll know a pastor still here <laughs> but it's nice when they come together and share the word of god with their age group it, it does something amen for them hallelujah and i know some of them have home cells at their home so they have double portion home cell yeah and then when they go home they still go to home cell again so it's a blessing amen so make sure all the youth is yeah amen and this friday select youth opens again amen so youth back to normal so invite the bras <laughs> invite the bras let them come to youth amen i believe god's gonna do something amen uh, we know that this year they're gonna be doing a youth conference and lots of things they're gonna be doing amen Matthew chapter 28 verses 17 to 20. I think I exhausted all the announcements, not forgetting anything, I hope. Look at your neighbor and say, neighbor, make yourself a savior of men. Thank you so much, Lyle. Make yourself a savior of men. Amen. Remember when I spoke to you, I'm going to give you two stories again uh, while I get into the word of God. Uh, the first one is William Curry, right? Uh, he was the founder of the Salvation Army, right? Remember I was, trying to, I was having problems getting his name. Um, and he wrote a telegram to all of his leaders. He was a missionary. Uh, he had lots of churches and a lots of missionary centers around the entire world. And he wrote a letter to all his missionaries that were planted throughout the world. Now, you must understand something, that uh, when you talk about winning souls, most of us always have a small mindset, right? And I think that this is what also God is trying to teach me as well, is that most of us have a small mindset. We believe that God is only sending us to our community. All right. So whenever we think about winning souls, we only just think about who went to it. That that's the only place that God wants us to reach, right? But the scripture says in the book of Acts chapter 1 verses 8, go to Judea, Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and to the uttermost parts of the world. So you must have the mindset that God doesn't just want you to reach your community. God wants you to reach the entire world. Amen. So the world must yeah the gospel but then you'll you'll ask yourself the question and you'll disqualify yourself how am i going to take the gospel to the entire world i'm from a little place called woodstock i'm from a little place called wayne's how am i going to take fred can you just see my office there's some batteries there i can see these are gonna fail me they behind me oh okay no not these there's others there those are just put on charge so uh you ask yourself the question how is it going to be and how is it going to happen because you're from Wentworth 
and you disqualify yourself thinking that God can never use you outside of your area. But I'm here today to tell you that God will use you not only in your area, but outside your area, not outside your area in the outskirts, which is your Samaria, but I'm talking about to the uttermost parts of the world. I see you traveling to countries, amen, preaching the gospel. I see you going places you've never been to declare this mystery of the gospel of Jesus Christ. Now, for some that might not be exciting, even though for those that don't want to preach the gospel, I see you getting out of winter somewhere else. Amen. Hallelujah. Amen. You can just change the other one and I'll continue from there. Amen. So get out. Hallelujah. Do something for God. Don't have a small vision of just your area. God wants to extend your borders. Amen. How you pray the prayer of JPS. Oh Lord, that you would bless me. That you would enlarge me. Winter it's too small for you to be enlarged. Amen. You need to be enlarged outside of the community amen so never ever have your mindset just confined to a small place that's why god gave us the name jcmi jesus christ ministries international we international baby <laughs> we international ramon i see you going to the islands preaching the gospel of jesus christ amen Hallelujah. It's going to happen. Amen. God's going to do it. So when you look at William Carey, he had churches planted throughout the world and in various countries. And one of the amazing things about that was that he was writing, he was writing a letter to all his, uh, his leaders that were out there in the mission field and stuff. So they, uh, the telegram was going to be read on a big screen so they all connected like you know via live stream and all so everybody at the same time was going to watch and listen to what he had to say to them now everybody was very concerned as to the words that he's going to say you know when you when you when you hearing from your leader i don't know if you've ever been or you worked in a big organization you know you got your managers i've worked in call centers right so you got your manager your manager calls a meeting it's fine and then they'll tell you somebody from head office is coming and then when the head office comes everybody's like on their toes and everybody's nervous i wonder why head office is coming you know and it's either a white man in his suit and you know and everybody's nervous this must be in order that must be in order the managers themselves are even stressing because head office is coming what does head office want to say everybody's intrigued are they increasing our salaries? Are they giving us new strategies? Are they giving us new wisdom? The nerves are up. So these guys, their nerves were up. Because what does the leader want to say to us? And while they were waiting, the telegram was on, all that he said was nothing. He says, sorry, not even say nothing. He said this one word and followed by a few couple of other words. He says, others, others, others. Now they were confused. What, what is he talking about? Others. And then he says, this year round, make yourself a savior to men. Wow. Imagine he could have said so many things. He could have told them of how to grow in the current work that they have. How they could access financial blessings from God. Or how they could move in the supernatural. Or how they can move in signs and wonders and miracles. But all he said was others and make yourself a savior to men. Wow. 
What does he mean when he says others? As much as you are sitting here today, there are others that need to sit here. As much as you can clap your hands and sing and dance, there are others out there that need this. As much as you are saved, there are others out there that need salvation as well. It leads me to my next story. And this story was recorded, or this vision was recorded by Rick Joyner. I don't know if you've ever heard of Rick Joyner. He's a prophet, powerful man of God. He wrote lots of books. And in this vision he saw, and I think I spoke about it last week, in the vision he saw a deep and a dark ocean. And in this deep and dark ocean, he saw lots of people that were drowning in the ocean. But while the people were drowning, there were some that were outside on, or some on the shore was able to help those that were drowning to be a savior to them. So pulling them out, pulling them out, pulling them out. But what he noticed is that the ones that were being saved, some that were being saved and some that were being pulled out, they were so excited by the fact that they were pulled out of the water because they were drowning and, and they were going to die uh, because the storm, the ocean was rough and nobody was going to be able to survive. He says that they walked away. They walked away. They never go and help anybody else that were drowning because there was millions and millions of people in this water that were drowning. They walked away. Others just looked without even sympathy within their hearts to say, look at that person. They just stood and they watched. They stood and they watched. And then he saw another type of people that went and they assisted. They went and they put their hand to give like a lifeline for the people so that the people could climb up. Are you following me so far, right? So the people could climb up out of the water. And then he saw other people as well that jumped into the water and were willing to die just so that they could save other men and stuff. And the thing is this, and this is what I'm trying to say to you this morning, is that God has saved you. God has changed your life if your life is changed. And God has, God has started a work in your life. But ever since you have been saved, ever since you have been born again, ever since you came to the knowledge of Christ, you haven't thought of trying to reach other people. You see, I was brought up in a, I was brought up in a, in a church, right, uh, of latter years of my life, man of God, where the, the pastor, okay, the pastor's wife said to me that don't only go and reach the people, the poor people, you must also go and try and preach the gospel to the rich people. And the reason why she wanted the gospel preached to the rich people, which I don't see a problem with what she said, but the reason why she wanted is that because our evangelism was focused on the broken, our evangelism was focused on the prostitute, our evangelism, evangelism was focused on the unemployed, the poor people, the people that nearly needed a savior, that needed God. And she said that don't only focus on them, also focus on the rich. Why? So that the rich people can come into the church and finance the church. However, yeah, however crazy that sounds, and it is crazy, and I mean it's completely crazy on all levels, there's a small element of truth to it. 
However, our purpose for preaching the gospel of Jesus Christ has never ever been and will never ever be because people can give to the kingdom of God. If our purpose for preaching the gospel of Jesus Christ is to change the finances of the church, we need to stop preaching the gospel of Jesus Christ today, close this church, take everything away and go to the streets and preach there. If our preaching is so that people can come and finance the church, you understand however in our preaching if rich people come it's okay but our motive is not to preach to get rich people to come I don't know if you understand in what I'm saying. Because they are broken people. They are people that are without. They are people that don't know what tomorrow holds. And we are that only hope for them. They are people that are the Bible. The, a rich man in, 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 in a natural sense. A rich man will say to himself. I don't need a savior. A savior for what? I got everything. I got a house. I got a car. Remember the last time we were out evangelizing and this guy came with his van. He says, God forsook me. God left me long time. And everybody says, how? The man was driving a car. Everybody says, how? Where? Because he was driving a car. Because they thought that, you know, the rich men, they, they have issues as well. We have to reach them as well. We have to minister to them as well. However, we are called to preach the gospel to the lost. We are called to preach the gospel to the broken. And if we never ever go to, we never ever go to uh, the Yiltons and the Amschlangers to preach the gospel, we'll still preach the gospel, hallelujah. We'll still go and we'll still, because our mandate to preach is not to get people to finance the church. So when she told me that I, my heart was sore because her motive for behind us going to preach was so that certain group of people would be able to come to the church and help finance the church, which is the bad motive for preaching the gospel of Jesus Christ. Look at somebody and say, a soul is a soul. And it's precious to God. And every single person that is sitting here today, I want you to understand that when God sees you, he doesn't see your bank balance on your forehead. He doesn't see what family you were brought up into. When God sees you, all he sees is a soul. And he looks at you and he says, Wendell, you are precious to me. And that's what happens when we come into faith. And that's what happens when we come into the kingdom of God. Is that and when we preach the gospel, we are preaching the gospel for people to be saved. For people to come to the knowledge of God. Not for their money. They don't have to give. They don't have to do anything. But as long as they are saved, as long as they are serving God, that is the hope and that is the reason for our preaching of the gospel. That's the reason. So I want you to take every mindset of finance out of your head. Every mindset that there's only a specific group that we need to preach to out of your head. The gospel has been meant for everybody. And the reason why we preach the gospel is not for popularity. The reason why we preach the gospel is not for somebody to tap us on our shoulders and say, well done, you are doing a good job. The reason why we preach the gospel is not for a wife, it's not for a husband. The reason why we preach the gospel is not for business and cars and houses the reason why we preach it is because there are people out there that are going to hell there are people out there that souls are lost there are people out there without a savior there are people out there that don't know whether tomorrow they're going to see the next day and if they die today where they would spend their eternity and this is the reason why we are passionate this is the reason why we are aggressive this is the reason why we are violent because when I look at somebody I see them as 
the soul and I want to do everything in my power to make sure that the gospel is preached to them. If it costs me my family, if it costs me my life, if it costs me money, I don't care. I want to reach them. The Bible makes us understand that he left his throne of glory. He left the splendor of heaven. Come on, think about this. He left the splendor of heaven, the beauty of heaven, and he came down to a lost man, a man that has been broken, a man that has no savior, and he says, I'll be that savior for them. And this is what God is doing. You see, we only think, Lyle, that the gospel must only be preached from people that don't have degrees and an education. We think that the gospel is only, or, oh, maybe they're preaching because they, they never do well in school. Or maybe they're preaching because they never have a, a career or a degree or a business. And the only thing that they knew what to do was to turn to preach the gospel of Jesus Christ. Let me tell you something, man, when it comes to the souls of, lost, of the lost world, when it comes to the souls of man you can be a doctor you can be a lawyer you can be a teacher you can be a psychologist you can be a business owner your business you put aside your degree you put aside all your mind is focused on is that I need to be a savior to men and that's why people don't come to the gospel because we don't come and preach the gospel because they feel that the gospel is only preached by a selected few of people people that have a testimony People that were on drugs. People that were drinking. The gospel can only be preached by them. Absolutely not. Where are the doctors that will preach the gospel? Where are the lawyers that will preach the, the gospel? Where are the police officers that will preach the gospel? Where are the engineers that will preach the gospel? I'm looking, God is looking for a dressmaker that will preach the gospel. God is looking for a designer that will preach the gospel. He's looking for a nurse that will preach the gospel. He's looking for a teacher that will preach the gospel. Never ever disqualify yourself and say, because I'm this and I'm that, I can't preach the gospel. God is looking for somebody. Jesus left the throne room of God as the son of God what is your doctor profession come on now what is your lawyer profession he left the throne room the streets that were that were cold he left that to come and minister and save you and you you tell him Lord but I'm a doctor Lord but I'm a lawyer Lord but I'm a degree and you can't reach no one and he left everything to come and reach you and the scripture in Isaiah says, who can I send and who will go? Who can I send? So he's looking for people that he can send. But the people want sendable. The people did not want to be saviors to men. The people were focused on themselves. What we said the last time in Timothy, in the last days, men will be lovers of themselves rather than God. So you, when God is sending you out, but, 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 but God, I, I, hey, my friends, I can't leave them, Lord. But, but God, but go out. But God, hey, you know, I smile to chill with their cherry every now and again. Hey, I can't leave her, Lord. Who can I send? Uh, uh, but God, hey, you know, I just started my degree in, in, in law and I just started my schooling career and God is looking for somebody to send. But nobody is sendable. Nobody was sendable enough. Let me tell you something. You want to be used by God, become sendable. Become somebody that God can send. 
When I say become somebody that God can send, somebody that God can send is somebody that loves their lives, not even until death. You don't love your life. That's what the scripture says. If you love your life, you will lose your life. If you try and find your life, you will lose your life. But if you give your life away, that's when you will find your life. Wow. It's amazing truth. Do you understand? So he's looking for people that he can send. But most of us, the excuses that we give are the same excuses that they gave in the book of Matthew when, the, when he invited him for supper. And they said to him, I just got buckled. It's okay if I talk like that, right? Yeah. I just got buckled. I just got married. For those that don't know what buckled is. <laughs> I just got married. I can't come. The other said, uh, I just bought a piece of land. I can't come. And he says, forget about those that are not sendable. They will not taste and they will not eat of the supper because they're unsendable. I can't, I can't call them. They can't come. Can't. They can't. Are you the one that will not be a savior for somebody else? You see, the reason why God sends you, the reason why God sends you is because he knows that you can save somebody. Mm. Let me, can I continue? There's, there's something that I want to share with somebody, and probably for a couple of people, but take this as a prophetic word for you. Think about your past life. Think about, maybe it's your current life, I don't know. Think about how many times you messed up, how many times you maybe were on drugs. Think about how many times you drank, you were in clubs, you peed yourself, you slept with different men, you did lots of bad things. Think about all the bad things that you've ever did in your entire life. And God brings you to this point and he saves you. And he delivers you. And yet, you sit there with all of that that God has brought you out of. All the mess that he took you from. And you're unable to tell somebody. And you're unable to be a savior for that person. Then you need to ask yourself the question, why did he take me out of it? Why? Just so, so I can be with him in heaven. If that is the case, he wouldn't have allowed me to be born. If that is the case. If the case was just for you to be in heaven, then he wouldn't allow you. That rape, do you think it was just because you were in the wrong place at the wrong time? That sexual abuse, do you think it was because you were in the wrong time, at the wrong place at the wrong time? And you question God, why did it happen to me when I was a child? Why did this happen to me? You think it was, think it was for nothing, to save you for nothing? So you can go through that trauma and then think of your life. Oh, I went through a lot of trauma in my life. And in every moment now and again, you cry thinking about that trauma. Do you think that's why you went through it? God is not a God by mistake and chance. Everything that has happened in your life has been orchestrated for purpose. There's nothing that has ever happened to you. I don't know whether it's been a rape, whether you were in jail, whether you were on drugs, whether you were on alcohol, whether you were sexually abused. Everything has happened to you by purpose. By purpose. Why? Why has it happened to you by purpose? Why did God have to put you through that by purpose? Because you know what's here inside of you? You know what's locked up inside of you? Are other people. 
Yeah. I know it was painful for you. I know it hurts you. I know you spent lots of years in your life in pain from that experience. But what you went through was never for you. It was never, it was never about you guys. The tears that you cried, the, the deep pain that you experienced was never about you. Could have never been about you. It was for other people. When people laugh at you, when people mock you, when people reject you, when people hurt you, it's never about you. When your father disowns you, don't want nothing to do with you, it's never about you. If it was about you, it wouldn't happen to you. It was about other people. The reason why you were in prison and you got raped was not about you. It was never about you. The reason why you felt betrayed and hurt, it was never about you. The reason why your heart is broken, the reason why you are unemployed, the reason why things are not working right now in your life, it's not about you. It's not about you. Because what you have inside of you are other people. But until you get to the point of when you heal, and when you become free from the trauma and the experience that you had, you'll never be able to be a savior to somebody else. Because you still think that it was about you. So you'll sit on that mountain for years of your life. Some people sit on that mountain until they die. The pain warns them until they die. They go into the grave with that pain. They go into the grave with that hurt. Because all along they thought it was about them. They thought it happened because something was wrong with them. Nothing's wrong with you. I'm going to say it again. Nothing is wrong with you. God allowed it to happen so that you can be a savior to someone else. And when you save that person from the trauma that they are going through, you teach them to be a savior for someone else. Because the enemy is happy if you go to the grave with unforgiveness. The enemy is happy if you die traumatized. The enemy is happy if you die without the knowledge of being saved from what you've been through. The enemy is happy. But all your pain, all your mess, Lyle, everything that you were involved in was because God had somebody else in mind. Jesus was beaten. Jesus was pierced. They rejected him. They laughed at him, Ramon. They called him names. He got to a point where he got to weep so much. He says, Lord, if it's possible, remove this pain from me. And then he understood something, Lord. He said, Lord, he said, nevertheless, not what I want, 
I want this trauma to stop. I want this pain to stop. I don't want to be in this situation. But nevertheless, not what I want. I want to get out of this mess. I've been unemployed long. I've been, I've been in pain long. I, I want to get out of this. It's my will that I get out. It's my desire that I'm free from the hurt. I'm free from the betrayal. I'm free from everything that they said about me. I want to get out. I want to excuse myself from it. It's torture for me. But nevertheless, hey, but Lord, I want to get out. Nevertheless, not what I want, but what you want for me. What was it that he wanted from him? He wanted him to die so that the world could be saved. So it wasn't about Jesus. It was about the world. It was about the world being saved. It was about the world coming to, Jesus, coming to know God. And you might ask yourself the question, why is God messing me up like this? Your mess will be a message. And if you hold on, and if you're strong enough, and if you endure just a little while and yield from the trauma and yield from the pain, you'll see there's beauty in pain. Ooh, there's beauty in pain. Have you ever been through so much and somebody comes to you that needs help and you help them? And even though you're going through so much, it puts a smile on your face because you help somebody, you are a savior for somebody. You are happy. This is what God is using you for. This is why God has called you. This is why God has taken you out of all these things so that you can be a savior for somebody. Father, open their eyes. Let them see, Lord. And this is not just a sermon, but this is a prophetic word for someone. Let them see. Let them see today that you brought them in this church for a reason. It's to tell them just that. It's to tell them just that. Matthew chapter 28. Did we read it? Amen. And when they saw him, Matthew 28, 17, and when they saw him, they worshipped him, but some doubted. And Jesus came and spake unto them, saying, All power is given unto me in heaven and on earth. And on earth. The key verses that we are looking for is now. Go you therefore, teach all nations, baptize them in the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all things, whatsoever I command you, and lo, I am with you, even until the end of the world. Very important that you understand this simple truth. 
very important that Jesus, when, or when Matthew wrote, and we're talking about the Great Commission now, that when Matthew, this is the Great Commission according to Matthew, right? Um, Matthew believed that, or Matthew knew that this was the last words of Jesus Christ. Remember, he was crucified and he came to his disciples and he appeared to them and he spoke to them. And the last of us in Matthew 28 was something that they called the Great Commission. And where he spoke this year was on the mountain, right? In Galilee, I think, if I'm not mistaken, like we discussed last week. And he said to Matthew, all power, and this is Matthew's interpretation, uh, because we're going to look through the Great Commission in the eyes of Mark. We're going to look at the Great Commission in the eyes of Luke. And we're going to look at the Great Commission in the eyes of the apostles and so on. But I want to zoom in with regards to the Great Commission in the eyes of Matthew. And I said to you earlier when we, when we began, I said that most of the times whenever we think about the Great Commission or we think about the commission to go and to do the work of God, in our minds or in our heads, it's always something that we relegate to the loss or it's something that we do by the way. We always think that it's something that God wants us to do, but we are not, we don't make it priority. The words that we use are words like proton, and proton means what? Proton means first, right? So according to, according to Matthew and according to the words of Matthew, this is the words of Jesus in Matthew chapter 28. He says, go therefore and preach the gospel. These were the last words of Jesus Christ. So we want to take everything within this verse and we're going to look at what did Jesus mean and we're going to look at what was Jesus trying to get us to do when he said, go into all the world and preach the gospel of Jesus Christ. The first thing that we want to look at is that this commission for us to go into all the world has always been, number one, the first thing, it's a commission of power. According to Matthew, this is a commission of power. That's the first thing that I see. Because Jesus said to, to them, all power has been given unto me, therefore go. What are you saying? Because I have all the power and I have all the authority, therefore you have it as well. Therefore you have the power. Remember the Bible says, the same spirit that raised Christ from the dead lives in us. And it will quicken us, it will vitalize us. So inside of you and inside of me is the power of God resting and dwelling on the inside of us. Whereas the Great Commission is a, uh, is, a, is a commission to preach the gospel. But the Great Commission is not just a, a commission to preach the gospel without the power of God. You see that we must be able to go out with signs and wonders and miracles. That there's no PowerPoint presentation. There's no teaching that can, that can substitute signs and wonders. And I realized something that Paul says that when my, my preaching, when I came to you, Brother Vincent, it wasn't with enticing words, but it was in the demonstration of signs and wonders and the power of God. So it's important for you as a minister, as a gospel of Jesus Christ, that your 
prayer must always be, God, I don't just want to be a good preacher. I don't just want to be a good missionary. I don't just want to be a good teacher. But I want to be a preacher that signs and wonders follow. That whenever I stand and minister the word of God, sicknesses must be healed. Whenever I stand and minister the word of God, demons must flee. Why? Because he said all power has been given unto him. Therefore, the power that he has, I have that same power. So I walk like the song says, I'm walking in power. I'm walking in miracles. Amen. So the commission has always been a commission unto power. You can come with your great PowerPoint presentation and you can present so cutely. But without the power of God, uh, people's lives can't be changed. Amen. I've seen people preach without power and people are just like in a lecture. But when the power of God comes upon somebody, in the preaching, people are crying. In the preaching, somebody's steered. In the preaching, God is changing somebody's life. Why? Because it's a preaching with power. And that's what we have to endeavor. We have to endeavor for that God, as a son of God, as a child of God, whenever I'm asked to do something, whenever I'm asked to minister, may I come in the power of the Spirit. Bible says Jesus came in the power and in the fullness of the Spirit of God. You too must have that same testimony. You look at people like Catherine Coleman, you look at people like William Curry, you look at people like, let me just use small guys, uh, guys that are alive, look at people like Bishop Dag, look at people like Chris Olikolom, look at ministers. When they preach, after the preaching of the word, it's accompanied with signs and wonders. That must be your testimony. That after I share the word of God, signs and wonders must follow because it's okay to stand and talk and this is the thing if you don't believe in signs and wonders you don't believe in miracles i question what you've been taught about god because the god that i serve is still a miracle worker the god that i serve still performs miracles and he is still doing wonders so we must go and preach and signs and wonders must accompany us. You ready for number two? The Great Commission is a commission to go. You see, the churches stop preaching about the Great Commission. Churches have stopped telling when lost have we heard in a church service, go and preach the gospel. Churches no longer preach this. The reason why we no longer preach this and the reason why we no longer hear words of go. You know, when I look at countries like, like Ghana, and uh, sorry, let me not even focus on Ghana. When I look at men like Bishop Dag Ewan Mills, I look at his life and I'm saying, this man has been constant. He has maintained the aim of preaching the gospel to tell people to go and send people. He has sent over 6,000 people across the world to go and start churches and to preach the gospel of Jesus Christ. Why? Because he understands that the commission was never ever to stay. The commission for you and me was never ever to stay in the church and sit in the church and, and build our lives in the church. The commission was always for us to go. If Jesus Christ said stay, he would have said stay. But he says go out. 
and preach the gospel. So that's why when people get saved, they get saved, they come in church. They hear the word of God. We teach them the word of God. We're preparing you. What am I preparing you for? What am I training you for? What do you come on a Sunday for? Why do you come to Bible study? Why do we have home cells? Why do we have outreaches? All I'm doing is I'm preparing you to go. I'm preparing you not to stay in this church and, and build yourself up in this church. I'm preparing you to go to a lost world. I'm preparing you to go to a humanity that is crying out for somebody to come so when I call you to preach just know it's your preparation to go when I call you to come and minister it's preparing you preparing you preparing you one day God will say send Annabelle send Ramon send Zaini go and preach that's what it is my idea we I was talking to Fred and, and uh, Lyle the other day, they said this one guy said he was fed up. He's fed up with the church because the church just wants you to stay. The church don't want you to go. The church don't want you to move nowhere. All you must do is stay. But the commission has never ever been to stay. The commission has always been to go and to train people to go. Not to stay. They say you see the true quality of a church, not by the seating capacity, but by its sending capacity. How many people has it sent? How many people are on the mission field? How many churches have you planned? That's the true quality of a church. We can have a big auditorium like Durban Christian Center. But if as big as we are, we have not even sent at least 20 or 100 people in the mission field. That means that our church doesn't have quality means we don't have quality we got nice air cons uh, we got nice chairs we got nice fancy lighting and perfect sound but we got no quality our sound is quality our lights are quality our chairs are quality but our spiritual growth and our spiritual capacity is not quality at all we are Hong Kong because we have not sent anybody to go into the mission field the preparation of the church the preaching of the gospel coming Sunday of the Sunday Tuesday of the Tuesday has always been to steer you up to go not to stay that's what the scripture says in Matthew 28. Go. Before you become a singer, you are a preacher. You might be a preacher. You might be a singer. Sorry, you might be a singer. You might be a dancer, but you are soul winner first. And that's why the, the guys, they came and they gave me, they came and they gave me the names. They want to change the dance group name. I, I call them dancing stars. They said, Pastor, we want to change it for 2020. I was like, okay, change it. Some came with fighting temptations and whole lots of names. And then they sent me a list of all the names. I'm looking, I'm like, no, 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 no. And then I saw the name, Soul Winners. Hey, Lyle. And then it had over there, we're winning souls through dance. I was like, that's the name, that's the name. And as much as you are a dancer, first, you are a soul winner. You can dance and you can do all these things. Keisha, well done, Rishi. Hey, well done, hallelujah. 
proud of you, amen. Her first time dancing today, amen. She did well, amen. So it's, it's, it's that. I'll be a dancer. But I come to church Sunday after Sunday not to be a dancer, but to be trained as a soul winner. Because one day my feet will fail me. One day I'll be a grown up and I won't be able to dance like I dance. Like if I ask any other adult to come and dance like they dance, they'll be like, no, my bones won't allow me to do that. My bones will crack every now and again. So when all else fails, you must still be a soul winner. Hallelujah. When your voice gets dry and you can't sing anymore, you must still be a soul winner. Hallelujah. Oh, I tell you something. If you're not a soul winner, you're not going to make it. Amen. See, I feel like preaching like an American now. Mm -hmm. If you're not a soul winner, you're not going to make it. You got to be a soul winner. <laughs> must be a soul winner win souls because the commission has never ever been to stay it is to go so I want to encourage you if you're a new believer you've never you receive Christ as your Lord and Savior and you don't know you haven't been trained every Tuesday they do in Bible studies choose a new believers class in that class it will teach you a lot of things about your salvation and it will tell you also to go make sure you hear Tuesday to learn if you've never ever been number three the great commission was a commission to teach can you see i'm unfolding i'm i'm, I'm unpacking the scripture in matthew 28 verses 17 for you the great commission was to teach when i looked at that i started to see something that teaching requires a lot of time teaching is not a one-day thing I wish I could teach in one day. We just did Bible college Saturday, a makeup class. I had, I had more stuff that I needed to teach them. But because of time, I couldn't. So I had to carry that into another session. Why? Because teaching requires time. This is what I do on a Sunday. I don't preach to you. I teach you. That's why you see, uh, I'm, I'm very relaxed when I, when I teach. Don't find me jumping all, but I, I just sweat. I don't know why. I even said to the Lord, hey, I need to learn how to not sweat when I teach because I'm not like excited. You know, like the excited preachers jumping. I'm just walking normal and talking. But the thing is this here, is that teaching, the commission is to go and to teach. But Lyle, you can't teach in one day. And I found out that you can't teach in two days. You also need to spend some time when you are teaching. So what does that mean? How do you unfold this verse? Or how did you unwrap this verse? It means that as much as the Great Commission is to teach, that's why we have the fivefold ministry gifts with regards to the apostle. And you'll see one of the functions of the apostle as well is that even though he can reach all the five, but his function is also to teach the word. And his ability to teach the word means that he has to plant churches because a church that is planted on preaching can't grow. A church that is only planted in teaching can grow. It's teaching is the foundation. It's the growth of the church. Without teaching people right, without teaching people correctly, 
you would determine how far you would go as a church. But if people are taught right, the church can climb higher. But if they're taught wrong, the church will just be at a standstill. Why? Because teaching was done incorrectly. So what am I saying? When he sent them out and he told them to go, as much as he told them to go and teach the word of God, teaching requires that you stay in a place for a very long time. It means that they had to find a place where they can teach. And the place that they can teach could only be a place within a church. So then we can draw from this one factor that the commission to go was also a commission to go and plant churches. Because it's in the planting of the churches where teaching is done. I'm going to try and say that again. It's in the planting of a church where teaching is done. So for example, I send somebody to go and start a church. They mustn't be focused on preaching a lot of stuff to confuse the people. One Sunday this, one Sunday that, one Sunday. They must focus on teaching them. You must have a vision of the directive and the direction you want the church to go and teach based on that direction so that the church can grow. So that's what happens when he says, go and teach. What was he saying to them? Go and teach, go and plant churches. So the commission has been to teach and the commission has been to plant churches. Why? Because you can't teach for a few days. You have to stay in a place for a long time in order to teach. I hope you're catching what I'm saying. So when I send Annabelle out, I'm sending her out to go and start a church to teach them the word of God because the commission has been to teach. You You're following me, right? What number are you on now? The fourth one. Fourth one. The other commission, very simple, I'm almost done, is to baptize. To baptize. Have you noticed that most churches don't baptize? Uh, people get saved and I wish one day we need to actually invest the lean in a, a big pool. Even if we don't do it on site here, yeah, we do it somewhere else, maybe even at home, it's fine. <clears throat> but we need to invest in a pool. And the people that get saved, we take them immediately to that pool and we go baptize them straight away. Same time. Because after your salvation must come what? Baptism. You understand? So when you get saved, what follows after that? You need to be baptized. Look at somebody and say, he's teaching us how to be a savior of men. That's, that's what I'm trying to tell you now, guys. So the person gets baptized. So when you... When you preach the gospel, when people get saved, your, your goal, your purpose is to tell them, now that you are saved, what follows after your salvation is baptism. Baptism is an outer display of your faith in Jesus Christ. Just by the show of hands, who hasn't been baptized? Tasha, amen, haven't been baptized. Let's, let's, let's go get baptized next Saturday. Next Saturday. Let's get baptized but if you want to get baptized today, let's get baptized today. We'll go to Ansys, we'll baptize you. Uh-huh. If you want to, please, we'll make it happen today. Amen. Are you with me? Amen. Number five, the Great Commission 
and I think I discussed it with you, and I'm almost done, is to all nations. It's not just to our community, it's to all nations. And number six, time is up now. The Great Commission is a commission of His presence. One of the things you must understand, or one of the things you must take note of, is that when God gives us the Great Commission, according to Matthew, there's one promise that He gives us in the book of Matthew. He says that His presence, He says, Lo, I am with you always. It is one way to attract the presence of God is to go out. Because he says he'll always be with you. So, when we go to Heim Street, when we go to Woodstock, when we go to all these places, when I send the guys out to, let's say, for example, we're going to start a church this year in Mirabank. We're going to start, next week I'm going to go find out. So we're going to go start a church in Mirabank, right? So when we start a church in Mirabank, Whoever has been sent to Mirbank, as much as they have the name of JCMI, yay, they go in with the presence of God. Go with the presence of God. Why? Because they're going to do His will. So you can be assured of one thing. You know, you must understand something. The presence of God is not with everybody. You understand? God is around, God is here, but His presence is not with everybody. Do you understand something? Remember the scripture says, even in the, in, the, in the Garden of Eden, God's presence wasn't there. Remember? The Bible says that God would sometimes come down in the cool of the day and talk to Adam. Wasn't always there. It would come at specific occasions to talk to Adam. And that's what happens. That's why David said to the Lord, take not your presence away from me. It was a, he knew that there was a, a guarantee. It wasn't a guaranteed thing that the presence of God will stay with him all the time. That's why he said, take not your presence with me. But listen to what he says. When you go out and when you preach my word, when you minister, when you are son, when you are, are sent by me, my presence is with you always. So it means that you can be guaranteed that wherever you go, the presence of God is with you always. Now you must understand something about the presence of God. It means there's three things the presence of God you must understand. Number one, the first thing you mean is that the person of God is with you. God, the person, is with you. So the Bible says that as for me and the men that God has given me, we were made for signs and wonders. And you could tell that God was with them. And you could tell that these men were with God. They had been with Jesus. Why? Because the person of Jesus was with them. So the person of God, the person of His Spirit can be with you. The second thing, this is when His presence is with you, is that you will know His voice. You can never have the presence of somebody with you and not recognize or know that person's voice. Mm -hmm. The third one is that when his presence is with you, the three things I'm telling you that his presence means to you. One is that, number one, is that his person is with you. He's there. Number two is that, what I said now, his voice is with you. He says, my sheep know my voice. Is that you can hear the voice of God. When the presence of God is in a place, all you can do is say, I hear the Lord saying. I heard the voice saying. You understand why? Because his presence is with you. 
And number three, last one, you can receive presence from his presence. Ah. It's like if I'm in the presence of a king, all the gifts of the king, all that he has, he makes it known unto me. All the good things, all his secrets, all his good things, he reveals it, he exposes it to me. Why? Because his presence is with me. So you can be sure of this one thing, that when you have the presence of God with you, you will receive his blessings as well. You'll receive good things. I see you are a candidate for good things in Jesus' name. Be a candidate for good things. Be a candidate for the favor of God. Be a candidate for the miracles of God, for the blessings of God. May you receive good news in the name of Jesus. Why? Because you have the presence of God with you. Let's go through those things again. I gave you six, right? Yeah, six, number seven. The Great Commission, the ministry to go into all the world, number seven, is a commission until the ends of the world. Until the ends of the world, which means there's no expiry date on the Great Commission. So some people have an expiry date. I've seen churches, Annabelle, it's serious. I've seen churches because we, sometimes they see us do evangelism and all that. They, they try and do it, but they do it for like maybe two weeks or once in a while. And then they stop and then you'll see another eight, nine, ten months they're doing it. Because for them it has an expiry date. But for us, evangelism is not an occasion. It's until the ends of the world, meaning if we could do it every single day, we'll do it every single day because there's no expiry date on it. And this is what you must understand, that you can't put it off and put it on. It doesn't expire. Let me put it in the refrigerator so it can, you know, maybe and then afterwards bring it out. That's what I do to bread. Put the bread in the freezer, in microwave when you can feel it's getting a little bit hard to make it soft. Evangelism doesn't have that. It doesn't get stale. It doesn't have a date where it gets funny. There's no date where going to preach the gospel is not okay. It's an always, every day thing because there's no expiry on it. I kid you not. Why? Because God, from the beginning of time, has always had this in mind, that you and me will become saviors of men. And if we have these seven principles in our mind, that the commission is never a commission of weakness, no power, but it's a commission of power. We'll walk and we'll do it in the power of God. Number two, we'll know that this commission is not a commission to stay, but it's a commission to go. We'll know that this commission is not a commission just for our community, but it's a commission for all the world. That this commission doesn't have an expiry date. Are you understanding what I'm saying? That this commission causes his presence to go with us. That this commission causes his blessings to overflow with us. So understand this principle. I might be speaking cool and calm with you today. But understand this principle. That when God sends you. When God calls you. You have been saved. You have been called. So that you can go in power, can go in wisdom, go with his presence, go with his blessing, go
go in his favor so that you can win people for Christ. Stop sitting in the pews and complaining that you're not used by God, that there's nothing to do in the house of God, there's nothing to do in the church. Our focus, our mandate has never ever to be doing, doing something in the church. Brother Dennis said something the, when, when it was uh, Deline's uh, thing. He said that when he came to the church, he says he followed the church, followed us when we were on the streets preaching, preaching to the prostitutes, preaching all over. We're still preaching. We haven't stopped. He followed us when we were preaching. And he said to me, he said to us, and he says that that's one of the things that drew him to the church. He says that he didn't want to be stuck because all he was doing in his church, Sunday, 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 Sunday. He didn't want to be confined to a Sunday church. And he believed that the church was supposed to be out there in the streets preaching the gospel. And that's what drew him to come to JCMI because he saw JCMI wasn't a church confined to a Sunday service. But JCMI was a church to go out into the world and preach the gospel of Jesus Christ. Tell you something, it's powerful. And I was so blessed at this, I think I said it, I was so excited when Monday, without me being there, without me initiating it, the guys took the gospel to the streets. Without me, Monday they went and they went to go and preach. They did their own open air. They did their own service. You know what blessing that does for me? That's a blessing. Why? Because the commission has not only been for pastor to go. The commission has been for everybody to go. Like I said to you, the equipment and everything is made available. You want to go and preach? It is here for you to go and preach. If pastors stop people in their church from preaching the gospel, shame on them. Shame on them. But our commission is to go and to declare the works of God. Protocol is out the door. Just say, Pastor, I'm going to take it. All I'll do is say, okay, go and do it. Because am I worried? Am I, is there some form of insecurity in me? No. All I think about is the lost souls that can be saved. So even if insecurity creeps in, which it doesn't, even if fear that they're going to be known, which it doesn't even make me afraid, because that's what some pastors, they get afraid. They, hey, the people are going to be more known than them, more famous than them, you know, because they're the pastor now. It's like now somebody else is getting known more. Even if it was in me, which it's not, I'm thinking my mind is on the souls. So I take Alistair out of the equation. I take Alistair's feelings out of the equation. And my mind is the souls. It's the souls. So why would I refuse Fred? If, if, if somebody comes to me, if somebody says, Pastor, I want to go and start a church. I want to go. And you know you're compelling, you're forcing now, you know. You're forcing yourself to go and start a church. Like, even if I say, hey, just come serve a little bit more, but I can see that you're forcing. I'll say, go. 
Go and start the church. You'll make all your mistakes, but I'll be there to rescue you. <laughs> I'll be there to save you. Why I'll be there to save you? Because I understand that it's the souls. Because you do get people that are forceful. That I'm leaving, I'm leaving. Even go start it in your own name. We'll come and save you. Because we know you went out prematurely, but we'll still keep the lines open, the relationship open for restoration. The lines have to be open for restoration. If I just send you like that to the wolves, what kind of father am I? You understand? It's a father, the prodigal, the father knew that his son wasn't ready to go. But he gave his son the money. He says, go. But if you mess up, guess what? I'm still here. I'm still here. That's what I try and tell the girls. I said, when you mess up, forget about pastor, forget about daddy, mommy. The father's waiting to restore you. Do you understand? He's waiting to embrace you. He's waiting to love you. But if in your eyes you're only thinking about how you can restore your relationship with your parents, you've failed. Restore that relationship with God because that's what was lost, not the relationship with your parents. As for parents as parents, will always be there to love you, always be there to honor you. But your relationship with God needs to be restored. Not more, it's not more important than your relationship with your parents. Because one day, you'll stand before God. You'll stand before the Lord. And whether you'll be found innocent or guilty, it's based on your relationship with God, not your relationship with your parents. So make sure you get that right first before a relationship. That's why even if I mess up with her, or I offend her, or she did something to me or I got anger. I have to make sure I know that I sinned before God and then I come to her and ask God to forgive me. You get what I'm saying? Why? That's the dynamics of the relationship. Father, I sinned against you. Not my parents. You. You, you get what I'm saying? So make, your, make sure that this year, this is the second Sunday of the year, right? We're just starting this thing, guys. We're just, we're just getting ourselves warmed up. We're cutting the onions. We never yet cut the tomatoes. We're going to get to the tomatoes and, and everything else. And then you're going to see in the middle, we're going to cook this entire meal. And you're going to look at the church and you're going to be like, wow. It's because we did it right. We cut the onions first. We never bypass the onions. Oh, I was talking to Toffee. Toffee said her mother used to cook without onions. Were you saying that to Toffee? Sometimes cook without onions and give a meal without onions. You know when things or days are, hey, imagine a meal without onions. Hey, we still give them onions and rice. Have you had onions and rice before? Braise onions. You braise the onions and you mix it together. with That's, that's your meal. Eat it. Or maybe you put some butter over there. So we're preparing the meal for you guys. It might not sound nice now, but I declare that each and every single one of you, whatever God does in JCMI, you will be a partaker of it in Jesus' name. May God never ever leave you out of it in the name of, may He never leave your family out of it. As the church grows, may your family grow. As the church expands, may your family expand. May the Lord do to JCMI what He'll do to your family in the name of Jesus Christ. And I promise you this as your pastor. I promise you this. As your pastor, I kid you not, and I make this promise to you. 
that me personally, it's an embarrassment to ministry and to the church of Jesus Christ. If the church prospers, the church is a big building, beautiful acorns, beautiful chairs, and the people of the church suffer. It's an embarrassment to me as a pastor, and it's an embarrassment to the church. You cannot suffer while we grow. I cannot drive a Mercedes while you don't have something to eat. Cannot. Make a promise. Yeah, we have people that will not eat and whatever. Talking about you that started, you that are with us. I feel, I feel bad. I went to a church, I kid you not. The church was in a shack. Pastor was driving a murk. He had a money suit on. He had shiny shoes. Versace. I said, what I said, Brother Dennis, Vesco, Vesco. What Versace? I don't even know it's called Versace. <laughs> Versace. A sweater's on. I saw Ramon cost two, three thousand rand. I got a shock when I saw it. And my people and the people that are following don't have bread or an onion to eat or an onion to cook their meal. It's an embarrassment to what we're doing called ministry. It means that we have focused on the wealth and not on building the church up. So when I say, as the church grows, you too will grow. As the church grows. Now we're not saying now, you know, you got people that, oh, pastor, 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 pastor. We know who you are, so you know what I'm talking about, right? I'm talking about you can't stay in one place. If we are to hire people, in the church, we're not hiring people outside of the church. We're hiring people inside of the church. If there's somebody, Lira, most of you came with business ideas. Your business takes off, your business climbs higher. Who are you hiring? People in the church, not outside. Because as you grow, as you grow, you grow your brothers and your sisters. That's what the Muslims have done, and they have done it very well. That's why you'll see they only eat what? Halal. They won't eat any other thing. They only buy halal. Why? Because they're helping their brother. They're kicking their brother up. They're pushing him up. Are there some Muslims that are struggling? Absolutely. But they even got a feeding scheme for those Muslims that are struggling. They feed him all the time. What is this? Is that as they prosper, they make sure they take care of the people that they are with. That's why the Bible says when the church grew, people came to the apostles and they said, Sir, this is how much we have. They gave it, they put it at the feet of the apostle. And what did the apostle do? The apostle distributed it to everybody in the church so that no one in the church lacked anything. And if somebody lacked, those that had more would give that person. Where is the early church today? Where is the early church today? Sad, but anyway, let's rise to our feet. Hope you were blessed today. Take the recording off, please. Maybe you're here today. I want to pray with you quickly before we go. Maybe you're here today and, you were, and I was talking about you being a savior of men. 
I was talking about some of the things that you 